Welcome to the WorkSmart podcast channel. In this podcast, Julie Pardy, WorkSmart's Director of Market Engagement and Regulation, speaks with Marianne Bloodworth, employment partner at law firm Kemp Little, who provides her top 10 recommendations for HR professionals who, in light of SMCR, are reviewing and implementing the necessary changes to their firm's HR lifecycle. Topics Marianne covers includes the issue of regulatory references, conduct rule breach scenarios, fitness and propriety, and certification of staff. So let's get to it. Good afternoon. So delighted to be joined here this afternoon by Marianne, who's one of the employment partners here at Kemp Little. Marianne, may I ask you a question with regards to the senior manager's regime? Of course, may. So if you were talking to an HR team member or an HR manager at the moment, can I ask what would you say would be your top 10 things that they should have on their to-do list going into 2020 in respect to the senior manager's regime? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Obviously, some of those are going to relate to the implementation phase, which we're in at the moment, getting ready for the 9th of December, and some will track through into 2020. So I would say right now, number one, top of your list, if you haven't done it already, you ought to be getting to grips with your population that's caught by SMCR. You need to be looking at their roles and their responsibilities. You should be working with other people, for example, like compliance and the business themselves, but you you need to help identify who does what, what are they going to be in the new regime, and what are they responsible for. So that's the first one. Secondly, obviously, once you've done that, it may well be you need to look at your existing contractual documentation. If you've got people who've been with you for years and years, my guess is that their contract's probably out of date, and you may well need to make sure that it now much better reflects their obligations under the regime. So, for example, you'll want to make express reference to the regime, you'll want to talk about their obligations to comply with the conduct rules, And you'll probably want to build in some rights on your part, for example, to discipline and dismiss them if they don't maintain appropriate standards of fitness and propriety, etc. So really quite an important document. It it always is in the HR world. We always look at the contract when we see what we're entitled to do and what somebody's rights and obligations are. Then allied to that, when you're looking at your documentation, you're going to need to look at your HR policies and procedures. And you're also going to need to talk to compliance about that now because there's going to be much more crossover, I think, between what might have been the sort of previous existence being standard HR policies, there may well now be regulatory elements that uh, you need to take into account and also vice versa. If there's a regulatory policy that calls people to account and says what happens if they're not F&P, there will be disciplinary perhaps or other employment angles to that. So they all need updating. And a key one, I would say, actually, in all of that is your disciplinary policy. You need to make clear what you will discipline people for. And, for example, that breaches of the conduct rules will be dealt with as part of any disciplinary process, as will assessment of F&P. And, Julie, you and I have talked about this. Different firms are approaching that in different ways, whether they have separate committees who deal with those regulatory aspects of discipline and conduct or whether it's all dealt with under the same process. But you really, really need to give quite a bit more thought to that, I would say, under the regime. And can I ask, with regards to policies and procedures, are you finding people are writing separate senior manager policies or separate certification policies, or do they tend to be extending what they've already got? We've seen a complete mix, to be honest. I think a lot of places are putting together what they call sort of SMCR senior manager handbooks, conscious that senior managers obviously have additional obligations and responsibilities and much more than everybody else. But again, the regime is about improving standards generally, isn't it? And so other places are adapting and rewriting or adding policies to their overall employee handbook and perhaps just making it clear that certain sections apply only to to certain staff, but trying to encompass everybody within it, particularly where you talk about culture and conduct and those kind of things. 
And then I guess I think I'm up to number four probably on my list. As HR, you're obviously an integral part of the overall employee life cycle. And that's literally from the recruitment stage. You're probably working, unless you're in a very big firm and you have dedicated recruitment teams, I'm sure HR normally are working closely with business managers to identify job vacancies, try and hire, prepare for interviews, think about what you need to ask, what you need to know about the people who are coming in. Then if you hire, you're obviously usually part of the onboarding process. You help make them feel comfortable in the workplace. You help perhaps set up the training and the the other things that need to happen internally. And obviously you'll see those employees throughout the entire life cycle. So I'll come on to it in a minute, but performance appraisals, other internal processes. So I would have a look at that now. And it reminds me very much of GDPR. SMCR infects every single piece of the employee lifecycle in exactly the same way that your data did last year when you were implementing GDPR. And on that note, which segues very neatly into my, I think it's my fifth point, data retention is a very important part of SMCR. HR does that anyway. Obviously, as I say, you're often involved in the hiring decisions, you're involved in training and competency and appraisals, etc., But it's going to be really important in this regime that you are able to show that you hired the right people, that you can keep records of the decision-making processes that led to that, that you know you can show somebody is still fit and proper, that they're completing their training requirements. So that does become very important also for disciplinary processes. So if you do impose disciplinary sanctions and that amounts, for example, to a conduct rule breach, that is information that you need to keep for the regulatory reference regime as well. So Data retention, very important. I think you'll also find in HR that senior managers will come to you wanting your help in showing that they themselves have met their obligations under the regime. They want to know what they can do to show that they've taken reasonable steps. Um, So I would say expect to be asked about management information, data retention and record keeping generally. On that note, can I ask you with regards to the data retention, we've heard some comments from firms about internal debates around GDPR v SMCR (laughs) and the fact that a firm or an internal department might have taken a position that says that actually SMCR doesn't trump GDPR (laughs) in terms of of record keeping. It'd just be interested your your opinion on that. I mean, you've got two quite onerous regimes, haven't you, with two fairly rigorous enforcers in terms of the, you know, the ICO and the FCA. There's a balance to be struck always, but I think probably regulatory considerations are always viewed as very important. You know, you shouldn't keep more data than you need. But as you know, if you have your policy, your privacy policy, and you say why you keep your data and you can show that you've got a lawful purpose, then that does that does clean, that does justify you keeping the data. So I think there's, there's a balance, but... Um, it's right that the discussion is had. I mean, you shouldn't keep data for longer than you need to, but if you do have a lawful purpose, then that is good justification. And I mean, that I think is my next point. I think I'm at probably number six now is training on data retention, training on the regime. They're all important. And I think what this regime does is reinforce the ongoing need for regular training of all staff and at all levels. So in particular, obviously, you have to train people to get them ready for the 9th of December. And that's your senior manager population in particular and your certified people need to be trained on conduct rules. And then everybody else you can train on conduct rules over the space of the next 12 months, and you get your certification regime up to speed. But training, ongoing assessment of competence is all going to be very important under the regime because you're going to have to show, in the event of a breach, that people were appropriately qualified to do the job that they were doing. And obviously, being able to point to some recent training records is a really good way of doing that. Then I think at number seven, this regime gives HR a really good opportunity to have a look at the performance appraisal regime. How do you do it? When do you do it? What kind of things does it take into account? And it's going to link actually quite nicely with my eighth point, which is around fitness and propriety and, and certification. 
you will have to put in place a certification regime. But what I'm seeing is that firms are trying to make sure that your appraisal regime and your certification regime are aligned, if not sometimes the same thing, and just making sure that you collect the right level of data, you get feedback, you get what you need to allow you to satisfy yourself that people are performing at the right level, they meet your skills and requirements, and they allow you to certify them, particularly if they're in the certification population. Then I think I'm up to number nine now. One element that I know the regulators talk about a lot when they say they look at conduct and culture, an indicator that they look at is how organisations treat their reward. And they particularly do not want to see employees being rewarded for failure. They want to see the reward regime being used appropriately. And obviously, that's something that you need to bear in mind. There are already regimes within the reward mechanism that, you know, that allow you to claw back and apply malice, etc., But now you have to think about how that ties into your SMCR piece as well. So again, when you're doing your disciplinary invitation letter, you might also be having to think about whether you put a warning in there about the impact on people's bonuses, for example. So rewards an integral part of the entire regime. And then finally, and I have to hope that, you know, this is something you'll be thinking about next year and not right now, but people will leave you and they will leave voluntarily and they will leave as a result of processes. Sometimes it's a redundancy Sometimes, though, it's through misconduct or poor performance. And you have to have a think now about what those processes will look like. And particularly when senior managers leave, you want them to be doing full and proper handovers so that the incoming person has a proper oversight of what they're taking on, basically, as a job. So I think, you know, I could I could talk, I could probably extend this list to, to 20 or so points if we wanted to. But those are the ones that struck me as the most important right now, the things that HR need to have in their mind. That's super. So what that says to me is that HR folk probably haven't got time to take time off over Christmas. Um, (laughs) And there's an awful lot of work that needs to be done. But thank you very much for that. I think that was a really comprehensive walkthrough of your top tips for our HR colleagues. Thank Thank you. you. No problem. Thanks for listening to this WorkSmart podcast. To really get to grips with SMCR, head over to worksmart.co.uk to download your copy on the five great strategies for successfully implementing SMCR in your organisation. If you'd like to reach out to Marianne directly, you can by email marianne.bloodworth at kemplittle.com.